Welcome, my friends, to Scrimey River, the MTG Advice Podcast. I'm Riley. I'm Dennis. And we're here to solve your problems. Dennis, an, a, a great influx of questions has not mm. sated our hunger for more. Oh, no, no. We can never be sated. Much like popular history podcast, um, Half Hour's History has an episode about Tartar, the, the bottomless eating machine. Oh, we are much like that. Oh, that's very good. I assume you're one of those people who's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll, oh, it sounds great. I'll, I'll give it a listen and then never did. But, uh, oh, Dennis. Oh, there you go. But we're, we're buds. I'll listen to you. I'll listen to your what podcast. A, what a friend you are. Not not enough of a friend to tell me the truth while uh, okay. having recorded disrupted by your alleged cat. Can I can I just share something with the... Uh, so while I was editing... So while we were recording last week, right? I was uh, I was giving... I was talking to da 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 And then I said something and Dennis didn't say anything back, right? Mm-hmm. Now, my flawless editing skills mean that, you know, you're never going to hear this. Uh, but I could hear typing in the background. I'm like, you with me, bud? And he goes, oh, sorry, Yuri just jumped. His cat, Yuri just jumped. Not not a, a, not a small Russian, you know, like a... Cosmonaut, <laughs> <a modular>. yeah. <laughs> Yuri just jumped up on my uh, on my lap and, and walked across the keyboard. And I was like, I don't think that's what a cat on a keyboard <laughs> sounds like. But I'll, I'll, I'll let it go because I want to go on with it. Anyway, and then you're like, oh, what, what did you say? So I told you. And then, and then, you know, we went on with the show. So I was like, no worries. I can just edit that out. That's fine. But then I go to editing and mm. I'm listening. I've got, I mean, I've got an audio record of what mm. that sounded like. And it did, I mean, unless your cat is incredibly dexterous, that did not mm. sound like a cat on a keyboard, Dennis. <laughs> so I was, I was sending a message and I just, like, I just straight up wasn't listening in that moment. And I, I and I, I, that's like a selfish and like not a very nice thing to do. So I felt bad about it. So when you were like, what happened? I was just like, uh, and just panicked and reflexively was just like, it was the cat and it wasn't me. I'm a good friend and podcast co-host. But and I just I, like, you and I, like we're best mates. I'm not going to like, I'm not your dad. <laughs> you to, oh no, I was, uh, I, I was doing homework. I wasn't playing Age of Empires. I was doing research on on the Byzantines. I had to play Age of Empires to do that, Dad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I just felt I felt like f- I felt five years old, and like you'd caught me playing Call of Duty after you after hours. I really did, and I just I fell into that mental space. I don't know why. That's not really the nature of our relationship, but just in that not moment, usually. <laughs> I, I mean, felt- actually, okay. Well, actually, let's 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 part the curtains even further here. Oh, so when when we're out and about and off, you know, around the world doing whatever we're doing for CFB, right? You just lie. What? You just lie all the time about... Like, so, okay, classic example was in Seattle recently, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. da, 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 what time are we meeting? You're like, we'll meet for breakfast. I'll meet you down in the lobby. And I was like, all right, no worries. We're meeting at seven or eight or whenever. I'll be down there. I'm pretty punctual usually. Usually I'd like to be there a little bit early. So I get down at like, you know, three minutes to eight or whatever. And I message you and I'm like, hey, man, uh, where are you? And, and you messaged, I'm in the lobby. And I looked around <laughs> And you were not in the lobby. And, so, like, I'm very punctual. I don't know what you're expecting. I don't know what the, the what was the plan there, Dennis? So, I, I, I was assuming you weren't in the lobby yet. And but I you sent you that message. That I'm always on well, time. Hang on, I sent you that message as I was getting into the lift. So, I figured that, like, by the time it got to you and you opened it and you read it, that by the time all that, all those, these machinations happened, that I would, in fact, be in the lobby. The thing is, though, I didn't realize you were Mr. Johnny on the spot sitting there staring at your phone waiting for me to reply. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know, man. I mean, you know that I'm never late for stuff. You know that I'm always on time. I just don't like I can see people running that con on, you know, someone who's a bit slovenly, someone who's a little bit uh, fast and loose when it comes to punctuality. But the other thing is, what are you gaining? 
You, is it a power move? It's like, oh, I no. got to the lobby first. I'm the real champion here. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, like, I guess, like, I guess it could have just been said in the lift or down in two. But I don't yeah. know. I don't know why. You just wanted it. to go the full. Look, Dennis, you got nothing to prove. <laughs> you're one of my favorite people on earth. You don't need. Like, I don't. You don't need to run. I feel like you're running scared from me sometimes. It happens in like top five too. When you're like, have you watched these clips ahead of time? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, you you don't watch the clips. Like, why do you lie? Just watch the clips. I'm not going to be cross. I don't. Whenever I put something on google drive and you're like no, no 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 i'll get it i'll get it and i'm like oh, just let me send you the link because you can never find anything on google drive i'm a fo- i'm a phony all right riley i'm a little silly putty person trying to just scrape behind life without anybody looking too closely at me and noticing oh, it's all Dennis. just paper mache I, I, I didn't mean to, i didn't mean to this i didn't mean for this to turn into you know let's roast dennis that's fine it's fine i pre no i i mean i bring it upon myself in this case and yeah i do i, just, I don't know i just kind of have this like patchwork kind of like chancer attitude yeah i think i think you're very much one of those people who enjoys seeing what he can get away with mm, mm, mm. yeah speaking of getting away with stuff riley yeah black friday is well and truly upon us uh i i guess it is as a as a, a proud consumer i i've certainly I, I have no idea about black friday like i know that pe- this is when you go and buy things and it's very cheap to do so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like cfb yeah. events is having a great sale right now you can at oh, cfbevents.com really? yeah you can get 59.99 riley for golden tickets that'll get you into any grand prix or any command zone from february onwards of 2020 channel fireball have their black friday sale you can check that out at channelfireball.com with all their new um new subscription boxy stuff Gee, that's worrying, though. That's is, worrying if CFB are having a sale. Oh, well, if they're having a sale on top of their already ridiculously low prices, then I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how they keep getting away with it. That's you the know thing. Those, I don't know. You how know those local ads where they're like, where the guys like, I'm crazy. I'm slashing prices. <laughs> it's one of those. <laughs> you, you go past the the CFB headquarters and they've got those those wacky wavy arm, wavy arm inflatable tube men at the front. You know, they're like like a like a carpet uh, depot. They're just the, uh, these cars are walking out the door. Oh, I, oh yeah, absolutely. So if you, if there's a place you want to get high value, competitively priced Magic the Gathering cards and tons and tons and tons of free content. Yeah. Some great, some not so great like Scrimy River. Yep. The really place was. to do it is channelfireball.com. But the thing is, Channel Fireball, you know, with their content, they what I really appreciate about it is, you know, they they it, it represents such a wide range. Full you know, spectrum. Full, the full spectrum. spectrum. Yeah, there's something for everyone. If you're into like high quality uh, entertaining, uh, you know, proper competitive videos from the likes of Reed Duke, LSV, uh, Andrew Maguchi, Martin News, all them. So th- that's all available. If you if you want to listen to two idiots just have a chat while sitting in front of microphones, oh, they've got you covered there as well. If you want to listen to three idiots fumbling through games of Magic, Arena Boys is there as well. They've got every angle covered on CFB. I'd really rather you wouldn't plug limited resources like that just as a competing co- podcast, but we can Whoa. we can talk about that off the air. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired, and I guarantee you, neither Luis nor Marshall will ever listen to this, so we're going to get stone cold away with it. Our first question, Dennis, comes to us from Anton Clement, who is uh, a longtime super fan of uh, of the Arena Boys, and I guess I guess also a longtime super fan of, of probably probably been with us since the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a safe enough bet. Uh, but thanks, Anton. Just as a side note for, for all of your support over the years, it's been fantastic to have people like you at my back. Anyway, Anton asks, I've got a lot of questions here. <clears throat> what do you think is the most useful approach to pregame communication in EDH? What are its goals and what do you say to achieve these effectively? Is there something people should know about this than they pro- that they probably don't know? 
are there some common problems to be avoided? So while mm. these are four questions, they're all sort of driving at the same point here, which is what do you do when you're sitting down to play a game of Commander against people that you don't necessarily know so well? This seems to be like, because this is becoming relatively well-trodden territory for this podcast. And I, I, I'm here for it. Like, here's the thing. Yeah. I assume Anton means, yeah, you're sitting at a table with, you know, um, Tom, Dick and Mary or whatever, and you don't know them. And you're ready to play a game. How do you... So here, here's something I want to ask you, actually, because this is kind of related. Okay. Do you have any house rules that you forget oh, yeah. aren't house rules? Um, no, no. I don't forget they're, ha- they're not house rules. But uh, we, we, have, we kind of have... I had a bit of a rude awakening in Seattle at the Command Fest when I played against some players who were just on an entirely different level from me. Yeah. Because I, I think I've mentioned this before. Our play group is very permissive. It's very sort of like, you do your thing and I'll do my thing. There's obviously some interaction, whatever else. And obviously, we all try to... T- you know, take Larry out of the equation as fast as possible. But broadly speaking, um, you know, you can do your thing in my group and and sort of recognizing that that isn't, quote unquote, normal in mm. the EDH community. Like often there are some very hard-nosed, spiky players who are going to really, uh, you know, really mix you up fast is uh, is something I forget, yeah, pretty pretty often. We all, um, I've always played where you scry three before you decide whether or not you're keeping your hand. Just, oh, as a, okay. just as a smoothing mechanic. Because I think smoothing yeah, mechanics are important in magic. Like, I like, yeah. you know, that's why I like morph and cycling in limited sets, for example. Yeah. But a smoothing mechanic, when you're setting, setting down for a game that could last two or three hours, is extra important. Yes. And if you're going to spend the first 20 minutes of a searching for that third land, nobody wants that. Yep. So exactly. That's, that's, yeah. that's one that, like, that's actually pretty common in Ireland overall, as far as I can tell. But, um, so one, I've got a kind of a, a similar-ish one here. It's in the same realm, at least. And, and this is something that we're trying out in our group. And I, I do recommend it. It's quite good. So if you have uh, three or fewer lands in play, uh, you can cycle the top card of your library until you hit a land, but that land comes into play tapped. That's too complicated for me. That's too granular. It's too, uh, it's too much. Too much. Yeah. It's just, it's when just I, like once you get to like three, four, you know, four lands, five lands tends to be the sweet spot. So No, I understand it. But like, I just, I feel like I could get my house rule across by just saying the word scry three, but you had to like lay out a Magna Carta worth of rules to explain yeah, what yours okay, was. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. You definitely win in the, in the, in the brevity. The succinctness. There. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So in terms of but Anton's I mean, question though, what do you think is the most useful approach to pregame communication? I think the most useful approach to communication of any sort is just honesty and being open. If you're going to sit down and be like, hey, most people have more than one kind of commander deck. Most people have casually skewed decks and more competitively yeah. skewed decks. So if you sit down and say, hey, and I'm kind of guessing that this is what Anton means by this, but if, if, if that's incorrect, they can obviously write in and you know add an addendum to their question. But I think they mean, hey, I'm playing this relatively casual deck. Does yeah. that line up with the power level of what you guys are playing? Or hey, my deck's actually pretty pretty you know highly tuned does that line up with mm. what's going on here yeah and i think the second question anton asks what are it's what are the goals of pre-game communication and, and what do you say to achieve this effectively i think i think the main goal of pre-game communication in edh is making sure everyone's on the same page or yep. at least is aware of what they're getting themselves into for example i've got a really really bad like a deck that just never wins right mm-hmm. it's whole the whole idea is just to mess with people it's like it, it reverses the turn order it changes people like you know it gives it's like got cruel entertainment and worse fears and it's got a bunch of uh, voting cards political stuff and i'm not sitting down to win a game and i don't mind if i sit down against people playing the you know attracts and their Edgar Markov and all the other, you know, high-powered decks that are out there because I just want to kind of mess with people a little bit, you know. And so, you know, it's sometimes it's not about power level. I think it's just about managing expectations. A lot of the time that is about power level. A lot of the time it's saying, oh, you know, my deck is like 8 out of 10 powerful and if yours is only 4, we're going to have a bad time. But it, that 
is just a subset of players making sure that everyone is on the same page and everyone at least knows what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, and I, like he all, they also ask what are some common problems to be avoided. I think this is the big one that pa- deck power level in Commander is because Commander is like the only Magic format where the goal isn't explicitly to necessarily win because it's a multiplayer format. Yeah, you know when you're playing a game of Magic the Gathering heads up, you basically always want to beat your opponent. Whereas yes, in, com- very, in Commander, it's very rare, unless you're doing something very uh, silly, Riley, yes, that's almost always. Can I interrupt you for a second? Well, I'm sorry to have interrupted you in the first place. I've been looking at our show notes just here, and yes. you just typed an M for no reason. Would you like to know why that happened? Why did that happen? Wow, we're really letting people behind the curtain yeah. today, Dennis. Um, so whenever anything happens in the uh, in the show recording that I need to edit, right, mm-hmm. I put a little marker in Reaper to... And you had uh, the wrong to, window open. And I had the wrong window open because I got a, I got a little dual screen set up here, but I had the uh, the dock open instead of the uh, instead of Reaper open. I was, gonna, I was convinced you were going to say your cat ran across your keyboard and I would have had to be like, <laughs> oh, okay, cool, I get oh, it. I wish I had a cat here to run across things. No, uh, my neighbors have been... Uh, their, their, their tumble dryer has been on and I'm going to have to edit that low hum out of the first half of the episode but i need to set the notch filter at a different frequency from um, when it stopped when it stopped otherwise it'll it'll mess with the uh with the levels at this point so the m is where the thing needs to be turned off but see Anton, this, this, this is a perfect example like i was confused about why riley put the m in the show notes i asked him we communicated about it and now everybody's better off and i think that's yeah. the kind of attitude you should have <laughs> sitting down at a commander table as well Exactly, Dennis. Exactly. You know, if they, we're, but we're now both on the same page. We've avoided some of the common problems that Anton was worried about here. All right. So let, let's break. Let's let's break it down. Let's let's make a little checklist here. What okay. what are some of the things? Let's let's assume you're sitting down with with three other players you you've never uh, played with before. Maybe you know them personally. Maybe you don't. But you, what what are you trying to establish with this pregame chat? There's the, uh, let, let's let's make a, a list here. I think the the first one, as as we said, making sure everyone's on the same page, and a lot of that is about deck power level. So h- how do you frame? the power level of your deck do you talk about the individual cards do you talk about maybe combos that you do or don't have or, or what what's the conversation look like for you dennis i think the i think because terms like my deck is competitive and my deck is casual are extremely yeah. relative yeah. and extremely yeah. very, very um, subjective so yeah. what i would like to, what i always use as a metric is i would say how far my deck deviates from a off-the-shelf pre-constructed commander deck Right, okay, which which are known to have pretty low power level. But not even just known to have pretty low power level. People have an idea of what that means. So if I say, oh, my deck is kind of like an Azuri off-the-shelf deck, but I've I changed about 10 cards. Okay. They, I mean, they, what we're doing there is we're finding a common ground. We're finding a reference point to, to trying try to, to establish a language to with which to talk about this, yeah. And, and trying to ameliorate the relativity of uh, of, of the power level of... Uh, you know, uh, uh, or the, the relatively discussions about power level. All yeah, right, some okay, people, for example, yeah, that's a good one. Some people, for often another sticking point is if a deck has infinite combos or not. Yes, yep. I think I think mentioning that, like, I think because some people are very into their infinite combos and some people can't stand them. We don't. Here's really the allow thing, them in though. Group. Here's where it gets a little. There's some subterfuge here. Okay. Because if you're really into your political, com- sorry, your your infinite combos. It's kind of in your interests for your opponents to not know that. Now, there might be some people out there. I'm not saying Anton is one of these people. I have no reason to believe they are. But there might be some people out there who don't really care if their opponents have a good time and just want to have their big infinite combo go off and would be inclined to, you know, not be forthcoming about it. 
But do you know what? I mean, in that situation, and I know that, you know, this isn't going to be the easiest thing for everyone to do, but from my perspective, I just wouldn't play with a person like that again. Or I would explain to them why what they've done isn't appropriate or, or isn't acceptable. And if they didn't, actually listen to me saying that i'd be i just i would just you know i'm not gonna make a big deal i'm not gonna stomp and shout and scream and be like i'm never playing with you again how dare you but like the next time it was like hey do you want to play a game of commander i'd be like eh, no I'm, I'm i'm all right thanks here's the thing though the polit like the political aspect of commander for a lot of people is a huge part of the game miss you know playing tit for tat making deals misrepresenting your position and power level and some people might extend that and i don't think this is the correct thing to do that's kind of why i brought no, it up some people might not extend that to this pre-game chat and i think that is that's way too far. I think that's, that's some, the, way that, that, too far. I think that's my play into what Anton asked is something people should know about that is that they probably don't know, which is you shouldn't ever really trust what your opponent says in a game of Magic the Gathering. Yeah. And you might have to take it with a pinch of salt, especially if there's prizes on the line. You might have to take it with a pinch of salt even before that game starts because they can lie, they can lie or admit the truth a little bit about that beforehand, and that's not against the rules or anything. Yeah, but the thing is, like, if we're it's playing unscrupulous prizes, for sure. If we're playing with prizes, I don't think you're having that discussion. I think you, I think you're just sitting down to play, and you you know, if you right. play for prizes, you should be bringing a, you know a, a competitive deck. I'm talking about in a much more casual setting. Maybe your LGS playing a pickup game, or you know, you, you you've met some some new friends, you've been invited around to their game night, and you're trying to get a get a sense of where things are at. And if you're going to lie to someone about that, or you know, if you're going to whatever you want to call it, you know, try to misrepresent yourself or or what, like. Come on, what are you even doing at this yeah, point? Yeah, I think I, I agree. It's about agree. Fun. I agree. Like, just don't, just don't. A friend of mine had an, a, don't do that sort of thing. A friend of mine had an Azami deck that was just packed to the gills with counter spells. Yeah. And like, never let anybody do anything. But he was very upfront about it. He'd be like, all right, well, look, I'm going to play Azami. And my ethos with this deck is that fun is zero sum and I want all of it. Okay. Um, well, if, I, if that person was upfront about that to me, I would ask them not to play that deck with me, or I would just be like, "I'm going to sit this one out and you know, go and play Pokemon on my." Switch it was a, it was a miserable it was a miserable experience the time I played good. against it. So I I appreciate that. But here's the thing, though: if you, what what about this then? If you were to sit down and with with a, with some friends like this, you know, relatively casually, or even people you don't know, what if you asked everyone to sum up their deck in one sentence? That's not bad. How about you have an elevator pitch for your deck? You've exactly. got like 15 seconds and you have to explain what your deck is and what it's about. And I, I like this. Again, this is something that you should only engage in if you're interested in doing it. I don't think we should make this a fundamental rule. No, it's rule not mandatory some people like anything, playing, no. You know, whatever. But if you're in a group that wants to tr- kind of uh, take the temperature of, of the of the table, I think that's a really good uh, a really good idea. So like a little elevator pitch. Well, okay, so my favorite uh, commander deck is my four-color blink deck. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like... Uh, it's just it's all about our Camancer and Ghostly Flicker and Enter the Battlefield effects uh and I'll I'll probably win with Crater Hoof. Whereas my <laughs> my Azuri Commander deck, I don't know if you actually played with my Azuri Commander deck, did you? Yeah, this is the one that you just have as many uh different counters as possible. Yeah, my goal is to make oh the game state as difficult to track oh, as possible. It's, it's uh can I can I tell people about Yeah, of this, course. Dennis? So Dennis has this dumb commander deck. And uh, rather than, you know, just limiting himself to plus one, plus one counters, Dennis has gone through throughout the history, you know, cards like Wall of Roots, which has minus O, minus mm-hmm. one counters. And there's plus two, plus one counters and plus two, plus two counters and plus two, uh, plus one, plus two counters and mm-hmm. minus one, minus O counters. He's found every different card that can put different kinds of counters on things to not only make the the power and toughness of every creature completely incomprehensible yeah. but also cover them in different and, and, and do you know do you know what's even worse he doesn't use dice Mm-mm. 
And he uses unmarked little labels or little, little sort of stones, little tokens that have symbols on them, more or less. So it's like you're having to read <laughs> Nordic runes and, and then do a, you know, a grade six maths test in order to figure out whether you can attack or not. It's this so turn. good. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, I, I'm definitely, it's nowhere near as bad as like an Azami mono counter spells deck, but it's, oh, it is, it is on that spectrum, my friend. What it, are you doing? It's just so funny to me for people to, because it, it's very powerful. Well, the deck isn't very powerful, but it's very powerful for people to look at my board state and go, I'm not even going to try to figure that out. I'm just going to attack Jeff instead. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, instead of a ghostly prison, it's, you know, instead of like a, a propaganda. It's a prison of the mind. Have, yeah, rather than have to pay two mana, they've got to sit, they've got to sit there and, and just do, you know, do some pretty heavy thinking for a couple of minutes before they yeah, can Nobody wants you. to do the pre-attack calculus, and that's the, I'm a big fan of that. But like I said, you probably don't, if I, if we were to sit down again and I was like, hey, I'm going to play Azuri, you'd be like, I'm not playing. I want, to, I want to address one thing, because I'm kind of reflecting on the stuff that I've said here, and, and I'm probably coming off as a little bit of a spoil sport here, and, and you know, being a little, sounding a little bit precious, not wanting to play with people who, you know, sort of aren't, aren't on my quote-unquote level when it comes to fun or permissive, permissiveness or whatever else like that. I think probably I've, I've probably overshot a little bit, and you do need to be chilled out, and, and I think you should always give people at least one. You know, you sit down and, and even yeah. if someone doesn't want to go into detail and explain their deck, and maybe, you know, maybe they've got this turn five combo, they're going to kill you, whatever else like that, give them one. Give them at least one. And then if it doesn't work out for you, hey, you can find ways to avoid or, exactly. or, or ameliorate playing. And the other thing is, Dennis, this is, a, this is a, a bit of a mantra of yours. You can't complain about someone unless you've talked to them about the problem. Yes. You know, so if there's someone who's just causing like a gripe at the table, if there's someone who's coming with decks that aren't fun, if there's someone that's sort of, you know, messing up the dynamic and, and, and really, you know, chomping your flavor, just have a chat with them and say, hey, I don't know if you know this, right? But some of the stuff you're doing is actually... It's not sort of vibing with me particularly well. And if then they turn around and go, yeah, good, gotcha. You're like, okay, well, now now in good conscience I can move on from this person and, and their ridiculous decks. But in the abstract, you know, a lot of people will be a bit more receptive to that sort of thing than you might think at first Yeah, that's, that's a genuine piece of advice that I, I actually give people a lot in my day-to-day life outside of magic. People, are, people, people like to complain. Everybody mm. likes to vent mm. and, like, have somebody they can, you know, talk about their problems and things too. But... What I find surprising is the amount of times people will complain about interpersonal issues or frustrations with another person or something that they haven't tried to fix. Or address, yeah. Or address. I said this to you before. I'm like, well, have you talked to this person about this? And most of the time they're like, oh, they'll they'll jump ahead. They'll say, oh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they act like this or they would say this or they wouldn't understand because this. And I'm like, just try. And I'm not saying it always works, but I can no, guarantee you, you it, to lose. but it works more often than, than not saying anything does, I promise you, you know? Yeah. yeah, and it often doesn't cost anything either. So, yeah, usually you could if you just go ahead and have a conversation about it. But I think, oh, look, Anton's got a great point. His questions really bring up something that is going to improve the overall experience of Commander gameplay. And, th- and I think our solution is actually a pretty good one. Come up with a little, a little elevator pitch. Next time, mm-hmm. try it. You know, even if you're playing with people that you know really well, try coming up with a, a little 15-second elevator pitch for your deck and, and just see how it kind of changes your perspective of, of, of how you play and how other people play. It works, I think it's, I don't know. It, it sounds, works for it your, sounds like a good idea. It works for your own deck too, as like a, from like a deck building perspective. If you think of what the mantra or the, the goal of your deck is, hey, would sum it up, you can then look your deck and see if there's cards that don't fit that yeah yeah i think we th- yeah i think i think this is a this is a, a really uh, a really useful way to uh, to address some of these questions here about you know pre-game communication idiot so so anton i hope this helps our next question dennis it's one i actually get asked a fair bit it's from charles Bobinger? Bobinger, maybe? Bur- Bur- Burbinger? Yeah, I- I'm not sure, Charlie. Just Char- Charlie B. Bobinger. 
<laughs> oh, poor Charles. Uh, anyway, Charlie, his question is, why is your name Riley Quarry Tower and not Knight of the Riley Quarry on Twitter, given that the knight was already out by the time that the tower was? What I love about so- this is not why is the name Riley Quarry Tower not Knight of the Riley Quarry, but he's included in the question that you have no excuse, mate. Yeah. These cards the were like- both available. It's 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 wrapped it up. It's like well, you couldn't have got it. I mean, I was I wasn't even playing Magic when these cards were first printed, so it's not like I got on the ground floor with them or anything. But he, yeah, he didn't want to give you that out. Oh no, no, no. He, a second. He, he slammed that door closed. That airlock is uh, is absolutely tight as anything, and I'm not getting out through that one today. Um, but I do have a very good question, and I'm going to get out of jail free anyway. Even even though there's another airlock at the other end of the ship. Oh no, yeah, un- unmanned, unstationed. I can just get straight out that one. Uh, wouldn't fit. Oh wow! Checkmate. Yeah. yeah, wouldn't fit. I could. Uh, I could have been knight of the rill, or even just knight of the ri- or of, uh, or just of the Riley Quarry. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 There's a fifteen character a fifteen character limit on Twitter names because you you could bet your bottom dollar. You could bet. I mean, it it wasn't. It wouldn't even be close. I'd definitely be knight of the Riley Quarry um, if uh, if it was an option, but it, it's just not. It's just not. So. That's good. Uh, yeah, oh. look, I really like Riley Crew Tower now. At the beginning, I sort of felt like it was a little bit of a compromise, but I really like it. There's a couple of reasons. I mean, it's it's very cheap, and so uh, I don't feel like I, I, well, the first time I had someone buy a copy of Night of the Reliquary or Reliquary Reliquary to for me to sign, I was like, wow, you just went and spent like eight bucks on this card or whatever. That's that's huge. Mm. Whereas you know, especially since the reprint, Reliquary Tower is nice and cheap, and it's also an EDH staple yeah, as well. It's pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. Group, so so yeah, I, I really, I, I you know, I'm I'm pretty happy with having picked that, even though it is definitely the the second class choice i'm in a uniquely advantageous position when it comes to usernames okay and the my username on almost everything yeah. is stranjack because my you sir are- my last name is stranjack and stranjack yeah. is a very 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 uncommon last name is is so even so your 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 family's croat from from croatia right so yes. croatian so even even in Croatia, it's not a it's not a common name. It's like middling, like it's not. I wouldn't. It's not. It's not particularly common, but it's not. It's certainly not. Yeah, I would say it's decently uncommon. It's a small. They're, they're, yeah, it's right. a small family. Like I've never ever ever had an issue getting Stranjack. I'm Stranjack on Twitter. I'm Stranjack on Twitch. I own yeah. I own Stranjack.com. Like I'm <laughs> I I'm I am ruining the opportunities yeah. of my of my of my children to register for things. Yeah. Oh, that's a very good point. That's mm. a very good point. That you you are Stranjak Prime. Yeah, Stranjak. Uh, yeah, I am the mayor of Stranjakopolis for sure. Yeah. So this is. I mean, you're you're just investing in in real estate in in online real estate that's going to pay dividends and dividends in the future because you can have your children like sort of bid for who gets it every you know when you know. And long, long, you know, the day I hope is a long way off, Dennis. But when you finally are ushered off this mortal coil, mm-hmm. maybe there'll be an all-in brawl amongst the uh, the Stranjak uh, offspring. Well, Stranjak.com Strand- to- lets me do something that I think is pretty cool, which I haven't quite set up yet. Okay, but I can have my email be Dennis at Stranjak.com. Yeah, that's very, it's very strong. That's cool, man. It's night. Very, very, what is very on night.com? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I've actually never looked that up. You, you want to do that now while I tell a different story? I'm doing it right now. So. Uh, I have uh, I have a bunch of websites that I manage, but principal amongst them halfasthistory.net, right? Uh, and Dennis, you hate the fact that I use .net. Ugh, it's disgusting. The reason I use it is because .com initially, originally, when, when it was first launched, was only going to be for business pages. It stands, it, it stood for commercial. It was supposed to be a, for a, a site for a, a sites for that were you know mercantile, com- commercial, commerce based, right? 
And How I always old the, are you, mate? Like, I come on. Like, I'm, I'm 30. But I always like the purity of .NET because it's about the internet. It's a website <laughs> on the internet, so it's .NET. Anyway, I recently had to renew, right, my... Uh, I, I use WordPress, very, and I will... This is an, a completely unpaid uh, sort of little ad here. I absolutely love WordPress, and I, I cannot recommend them highly enough for using anything, whether it's podcasts, whether it's uh, blogs, whatever it is, WordPress is the best, right? And they emailed me, like, hey, we need, um, uh, you know, you need to uh, renew your domain name. And I was like, no worries. And like, hey, do you want to upgrade it? We've, re- we've recently added a, a bunch of new options for it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I could have got halfassedhistory.pizza. <gasps> WordPress now has all of these ridiculous ones like dot salon, dot, dot ninja, casino. Yeah. Dot yeah dot dot forest dot be like all these things are now available as uh, as top level domain name codes or whatever they are, and you know I, I think we're we're being ushered into a, a brave new world of of what a website can look like. So you know for you, I mean you be you should be looking like De- Dennis at strand dot jack or something. I think would be very powerful. I have thought about that. I won't lie, Riley. Yeah. We've encountered a mystery. Okay. I can't get Nike.com to load. While you were talking, I tried to load it on my computer. No dice. Pulled out my phone, which I had on airplane mode. I'm a diligent podcast co-host. Took it off airplane mode, made sure it was on silent. Went to Nike.com. It's like a weird server loop. It won't load. It's just like, it's not 404-ing or anything. No, it's, it's connection timed load. out. It takes too long yeah. to respond. What is going on with Nike.com? This is... I'm going to look into this. Yeah, I mean, if anyone has any any insight into this, please please let us know. Uh, make sure you get at us on Twitter at Riley Curry Tower or at Strandjack to tell you, us what is going on with Night.com. Do you think? Wait, do you think the owner of Night.com is amongst our listeners? That seems astronomical. No, but I'm saying one of our listeners is probably tech savvy enough to be able to do like a who is lookup or Ooh, a bunch yeah, of like yeah. you know a, a, a sort of a hacker man type thing and and be able to figure out what's going on. There will be some serious internet clout in it for anyone who can figure out what's going on with Night.com. Yeah, I do want to know about that. Um, that reminds me as well, Dennis. While we're on the na- while we're on the the topic of usernames, do you remember your first like Hotmail? Oh, it's account? a spicy one. I mean, mine's pretty bad as well. Do Do you think you, uh, who who should go first? I'll go first. All right, you go first. What What was your first ever registered username on the internet? It was El Culo Magnifico. Oh my! Are you kidding? That's, That's not even that far away from me. What? What's yours? That's wild. Mine was. R, the letter R, uh-huh. underscore, uh-huh. cool, mm-hmm. 89. That's pretty close. I like that we both went for something very similar there. So yours was El Coolio Magnifico. Yeah, baby. <laughs> that's, I mean, I mean, look, you've certainly summed yourself up there. That's a little elevator pitch for Dennis. Yeah, yeah. I wanted people to look at my username and be like, man, that's one cool dude, you know? <laughs> like that's That was my goal. I just remember going on like Zelda forums, uh, like ZeldaGames.net back, yeah, back in the, and, and, and my username was R underscore cool 89. And, you know, I, I was a 12 year old posting on the internet and I remember, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have any remember of what this was in response to mm-hmm. specifically, but I remember typing at one point, how do you know I'm 12? <laughs> and then. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think not not only the fact it was was eighty nine in my username. I'm pretty sure just it whatever came across, I was yeah, posting, you were yeah. I, even without my username, it probably would have been pretty obvious that I was twelve years of age there. I shouldn't I shouldn't make fun of you for the Zelda forum. I was I was part of a Metal Gear Solid fan forum, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make fun of you on that one. Oh no, not we're not doing this again, Dennis. We're not doing this again. I'm I I know I was really rude about it, but I don't want to hear about Metal Gear Solid. Oh my god! Okay, you tried right. to explain it to me so many times. 
uh, like I, Dennis tried to talk. He sat me down and tried to talk to me. And, and Vince was with us. Pleasant Kenobi was with us as well. And I was so rude to both of them because they were explaining <laughs> about how like boss was killed by big boss and how snake like met his dad in a time machine or something and i'm just like listen i don't want to be rude and i was very rude but i don't want to hear about this at all i have no interest in it i know i've got to move on dennis but i I really there are a couple of usernames that i want to share with you these these are all from uh from moto these are all from mtgo right there are some there are some usernames some real estate some online real estate that i just it's really tickled me this these have stayed with me forever um, you probably saw the tweet from uh, LSV mm-hmm. when he got paired against LSV sucks. Oh yeah, awkward. That was very good. Uh, my friend Aaron, uh, his username on uh, on Moto is Raging Tilt Monster. Uh huh. Just really sets the expect sets the bar. You know, this mm-hmm. this is what you're up against here. Uh, my friend Harry uh, got got paired against someone called Never Mulligan. Ooh, and did they? Who Mulligan to who Mulligan to four? Oh. Yep. But my favourite. Magic Online username of all time. I'll never forget this one. Spicy Fart. <laughs> Do you know whose it is? I don't know who it is. I, if, you, if, if, you or, if you or someone you know is Spicy Fart, please come forward because I would love to just congratulate you for, for one of the best. It's not the best. It's not the best online username I've ever seen. That goes to uh, someone on Overwatch mm-hmm. whose name was, Dennis, Very Cool Dad. Our next question, Dennis, comes to us from Tom Anderson. Tom actually uh, submitted a couple of questions, but this is the one I want to chat about. Very interesting right now. Do you think it would benefit the game to give more colours access to stack interaction than just blue? Mm. And this is is a topic that I think people uh, probably are more aware of than even they realise right now because of what's happened in Standard recently with green. With the summer and stuff. Veil of Summer, but not only Veil of Summer, Dennis. This is this is a little. I don't even know if this is a tinfoil con- hat conspiracy here that I've come up with. This is this is something that I've noticed. As, you know, as someone who is paid to watch games of Magic, yes. this is something that I've I've kind of pieced. Together. I'm, look, I'm not very good at the game. I'm going to be very upfront about that. I, I'm, I'm principally an observer. I, you know, my my analytical skills are not as well developed as a lot of other people, especially colleagues that I have. But this is something that has come to me, and I'm sure other, many other people have, have realized this as well uh, in the last two months, especially in the wake of these these bannings. Recently, there has been an enormous break in the colour pie in favour of green. Yes. Green traditionally gets big creatures, no flyers, tramplers for evasion, no removal really, very little. A card draw that is tied to creatures and, and not much else. But recently, you can see this in the bannings, green has been given access to card selection. Once with, upon a time. Once upon a time. Hard removal in the form of Wicked Wolf. Yep. Counter spells in the form of Veil of Summer. Yep. And then Oko as well as a, you know, Elkify. I mean, you know, Pong- Pongify has been a, has been an effect that was running around in blue for a long time, but we've seen green decks more egregiously than perhaps ever before in Magic's history break the color pie. I mean, this is, this is way worse than Hornet Sting. This is, this is on a whole new level. Wicked Wolf is. I do not think this is worse than Hornet Sting. What in terms of a color a color pie break? Yeah, Wicked Wolf is not Necrotar. Wicked Wolf fights things, mate. No, Wicked Wolf is is just a Doomblade on a three three. Wicked Wolf fights things. Fighting things is very green. But you can always set up a situation you can't where always it is, you have to feed the wolf. 
it's not that conditional, man. It's re- I don't. I really don't think it's that conditional. I'm not saying. Seen- I don't think it's. I don't think it's particularly good from a power level perspective. But I do not okay. think it is a color high break at all. All right. Okay, that, that's fair enough. But uh, you know, what what I'm my my point remains is that green has been given access to effects that don't traditionally live in its slice of the color pie, and so. To bring this back to Tom's question, do you think it would benefit the game to give more colors access to stack interactions than just blue? No, I do not. Okay. Not at all. I mean, we've seen what Veiler's Summer has done. That is a blue card that you could cast for one green mana. I mean, sorry, a blue effect, a blue type effect that you could cast for a single green mana. And it is running roughshod over multiple formats. So, no, I, I think that I think the color pie has been drawn up in a way that that, that kind of protects us most of the time from from the you know uh, from the the ravages of, of of stuff like this i don't want to see i don't want to see uh, other other colors dip into what is traditionally blue at all well the color pie i think is very very important to that like you know we yeah. you know wizards have a council of colors they do and they 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 even wear cloaks which I've is heard, fantastic we've heard, we've heard rumors that they wear colored cloaks they, no 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 it's not a rumor that was con- i mean sorry oh maybe i'm breaking my uh, my mm. wizards nda here because i had this confirmed to me that they do wear cloaks oh well, that, well if i i think that i've heard they do too so that's i'm going to run with it as truth and if someone from wizards listens and they want to confirm otherwise on twitter they absolutely can um i think it is a core part of the game here's the thing though the stack mm. is a core part of the game as well. I think that I think instant speed effect and the stack are what separates magic from Hearthstone. Yes. So are we? Well, when Tom says stack interactions, basically, I assume he means targeting things that are on the stack. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm thinking it's counter spells. Yes. Yeah, or or like remand type effects because that really sure. is firmly inside Blue's remit. And I yes. think you're right. I think it's fine to stay there. Like I don't mind the occasional like mana tithe. Yeah, I mean there are there are what three, four, five counter spells that aren't in. But actually, no, there are way more than that. But like, there are you know there aren't very many counter spells that are outside of blue. I, I mean, real counter spells outside of blue. Yes. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I mean, obviously, like um, obviously, Manitide is from a planar chaos set anyway, so whatever. But I think you're right. I think this might be sacred, hallowed ground, and I don't yep. think it should really be trodden on all that much. Like, I'm all for bending the rules and for the sake of. For the sake of you know experimenting and like new freshy designs, I think honestly, I think Veil of Summer falls inside that. I think the power level break is the issue there. I do not think it is too egregious a bend of this rule. Okay, let me let me clarify my comments here. I and this is very easy for me to say as someone who is primarily engaged with magic as 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 an observer and as someone who wants it to be as entertaining as possible. I want there to be more cards like Once Upon a Time, like Veil of Summer, even like Oko. I would rather. Wizards erred on the, you know, erred too far to the side of making cards too powerful rather than ending up with just Ixalan every year, year after year, right? Because that doesn't generate uh, exciting and fun magic in the way that power, powerful cards do. They may miss the mark every now and again. This year's been a particularly bad one. But, you know, I'm not going to hold that against them if, if they are looking to legitimately make the game better by, uh, by, by taking these risks. So, yes, I agree with you, Dennis. I think that they should, uh, I sh- they should take these risks. However, it, the, I'm not. I'm not saying that these. You know that we shouldn't be dipping into other colors for any like tr- not traditional reasons. I genuinely think it would break the game. I genuinely think that we've seen a little a little sneak preview of that with cards like Veil of Summer, and that is why no, I don't think other other colors should gain access uh, to stack interaction. Not you, at all. you think this is a cautionary tale? I think so. I think so, and I think that we've seen. I mean, imagine if green started getting actual Doomblade or direct damage. Like if, if there was just a green lightning bolt, or you know, or uh, I don't know a, a black. Uh, what doesn't black get? Mind control. A, a black, 
uh, yeah, a black mind control or, or, or a black uh, enchantment removal spell. All of a sudden, yeah. You know, oh, I think black and red having encha- having enchantment removal is is, a, is pretty will be pretty agreed. So th- there are, I think, some hard lines that need to be drawn with the way that you know certain effects are divided between colors. So I think the the pretty simple answer to Tom's question is no. I don't think it would benefit the game. I, in fact, I think it would do the exact opposite. So in your head, do you want the Veil of Summer to be talked about in hush term, hush terms? And years from now, you know, a young aspiring magic player and a, and a pro magic player will be sitting in a, in a in a in a some sort of you know auditorium together, and the yep. young and the, on the the pro will say, "Have you heard the tale of Veil of Summer?" And he says, "What's that?" And he says, "It lets you t- lets you counter a counter a, a spell essentially." And he's like, "Is that a is that a power I can learn?" And he says, "Not from a green card." <laughs> That's it for Scrymy River this week, Dennis. As I say every week, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been great. And like and like we said at the top of the show, please do submit your questions to us. So, you know, at Riley Quarry Tower, not Night of the Riley Quarry, at Riley Quarry Tower on Twitter, or at to me at Strandjack on Twitter, a username I'm taking to the grave, baby. Oh yeah, absolutely. You'll, you'll bequeath it to your yeah, to your favorite child absolutely. once you've passed on. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the you know the, the, what the Stranjack Olympics are like for that. <laughs> and of course, we'd like to thank uh, you all for listening to the show and submitting questions. We'd like to thank ChaffWarble.com for sponsoring the show. And of course, special thanks go to Joachim Karad for the use of our theme song uh, "Shine." which you can uh, you can listen to on YouTube on 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 uh, on SoundCloud he's got a bunch of it's totally free copyright free music you can use it in the stuff that you make as well i can't recommend his stuff highly enough go and have a listen to all the stuff that he makes cuz it is absolutely fantastic but that's it for this week thanks for tuning in and having a listen to Scrimy River we'll be back next week of course with more of that sage wisdom that you all crave so keep sending in those questions and until then take care of yourselves we'll see you next time